Unpopular opinion, but unpopular opinion. Unpopular opinion. Unpopular opinion. You're listening to Unpopular Opinion, a podcast for professionals from all walks of life who want to hear success stories from innovators who've won by taking the path less traveled. In each episode, recovering journalist and content marketer Ashley Amber Saba interviews individuals who have prospered thanks to their genuinely unpopular opinions, despite warnings from naysayers, threats to their careers, and colossal obstacles. All rebels are welcome. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Ashley Sava, and this episode is brought to you by my friends at Audience Ops. Audience Ops is a done-for-you content-led growth agency that offers content strategy, case studies, blog posts, and full-service podcast production for professionals looking to launch a podcast like this one. Today, our guest is Sims Tillerson, head of sales at Perk Showcase. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ashley. Super stoked to be here. I've been a longtime follower of him and his content. Um, If you're not already following, you should definitely get on LinkedIn and do that. I love how human you are on there. I appreciate it. It's, uh, I try to really be real, real AF as I call it on the platform. And I think (laughs) it's worked out pretty well for me. You've definitely built quite a big following doing that. You're over 10,000 now. Yeah. Thank God. It took, it felt like it took me forever to get there. Um, I feel kind of validated that I've spent so much time creating content now that I've crossed that that metric that no one cares about but me. <laughs> well, um, just to get things kicked off, you have a unique stance on pursuing opportunities that you are quote unquote unqualified for. Can you kind of fill me in on that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, you know, I was taught kind of from an early age that you, you know, you work hard, you do a good job and you'll be rewarded and promoted. Um, and that could certainly be true at some companies. I don't think it's true at many. Uh, and the route that I've kind of taken in my career is that when I see a new opportunity I want to go after, if I can kind of do, you know, 30, 40% of the job duties required, and I think I can learn the rest, I go for it. Um, and it hasn't come come without its struggles, but I think it's served me really well um, and has allowed me to learn a lot in, you know, just the first 10 years of my career. Um, so can you kind of catch me up and catch the audience up on your background yeah. and how that might tie in with that unpopular take that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I graduated from uh Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina, and had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, So I went and ran a grain elevator in rural South Carolina for a little while. And it was, it was all truly terrible. Um, But I'd grown up doing agricultural work. So it was kind of what I knew. Um, Had the opportunity to a a really entry-level role with Colonial Life and Unum Group in Columbia, uh, doing billing in the back office. But it was air conditioning and only 40 hours a week instead of 80. So I took it. Um, and really the next, all the positions I held thereafter at Colonial Life were promotions, but they were promotions I was not qualified for on paper. Um, so, you know, I networked a lot behind the scenes and then just said, screw it. We're going to go after this and we're going to figure it out um, while we do. And like I said, earlier, you know, I've, I have failed 
at points during during this journey, but I think it really has served me well. And since the time that I spent at Unum Group and Colonial Life, I've bounced around a variety of startups in various uh, leadership positions. And you know, my my first head of sales position uh, in in this space, I got fired from. So again. There are going to be negative things that happen, but I'm still I'm still really pleased with the way that I've gone I've gone about my career because I think if I had waited until I was ready for the next job, I'd probably still be a risk manager at Colonial Life like I was back in 2017. What do you think it is about you that gives employers the confidence to take a chance on you for positions that you might not check all of the boxes off on? Yeah, I think it's probably my confidence in myself that I I exude this kind of confidence that I can do the job. And so they're like, okay. Uh, and then also some of the soft skills I have and that I love people um, and that I have a history of really putting my head down and grinding when I need to. Then I guess that kind of ties into my next question. Like, do you think it's a thing in your DNA or in your personality that kind of allows you to kind of go for it then? Not really. Um, I think anybody can do this. I think that you just have to get past the idea. I'm terrified I'm going to fail because eventually you will. Um, and, you know, one of my biggest fears was getting fired. Uh, and it was scary. I had a two week old son at the time and my wife didn't have a job. So terrifying. Yeah. But now looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that was my greatest fear. And it, like, I'm still alive. My family's healthy. Like, we're all okay. It wasn't that big of a deal. In between that happening and you finding another opportunity, what did that look like? Um, well, you know this because you're a mom, but I wasn't sleeping a whole lot. My wife wasn't sleeping a whole lot. Um, we were doing the whole the whole zombie parent thing. And while Jack would nap, you know, I was, I was networking and taking interviews mm -hmm. and thank God for LinkedIn, because once I told people I was on the market, uh, the conversations I had were, were kind of endless. And I started having to decline to, to have conversations, but I, I tried to be as picky as I could about my next landing spot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was scary. We got in some credit card debt over that time, but we'll get out of it, you know? Definitely. I mean, you gotta have to keep going. And when you don't have another yeah. option, what do you do? You just, I feel like it, it's a good opportunity to teach you a lot about what you can do when everything is kind of feeling like it's against you too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I, I was in a privileged position for that to be my greatest fear. And, you know, I still had a nice house to sit in and, and live in. And, uh, you know, we had savings to lean on to pay our mortgage and credit cards to lean on to pay for everything else. Yeah, they're the good and the bad, the evil of the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're on the bad side right now. You'll climb out of it, though. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think are the main advantages of kind of going after the opportunities that you might not feel quite qualified for when it comes to like your professional growth? So I think the, the biggest thing for me, the biggest advantage is that I learn so much when I stretch myself. Um, because I think, you know, a lot of people, myself included, 
can lean toward what's comfortable and say, you know, I've been a project manager for 10 years and there's this senior project manager role open where I have a little additional responsibility. I'm going to take it. And that's great for some people, um, but it's probably really comfortable, probably doesn't stretch you very much. And you probably don't learn very much. Uh, and for me, these big roles uh, that I come into pseudo unqualified for, I come in not with a chip on my shoulder, but with a, you know, a confidence that I'm going to get it done, but an understanding that I've got to ask for help. I've got to learn a lot to do it. So I think my biggest periods of professional growth have been when I've stretched. So like I'm seven months into my stint at Perks and I feel like I've been here for five years because of how much I've accomplished and because of how much I've learned. Um, and I think our CEO Alexa probably wouldn't agree that I was unqualified for the job, but I feel like I was, and I feel like I've had to stretch myself a lot. Have you had any mentors in any of the jobs that you've had that have helped you kind of figure out um, what it would take to get to the next level in the opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they were they were primarily in my stint at Colonial Life. I had a variety of formal mentors who were all AVP or VP level um, at this you know Fortune 250 company, and they really taught me a lot about playing the game. Um, and taught me also a lot about seeing things in a strategic light rather than just a tactical light, because I was so encompassed in my tiny little job that I didn't always see the forest for the trees. Uh, and that's what mentorship has really helped me do. And they've also taught me that, you know, you can, you can try things and fail at them or not like them. And then you can do something else. And there's no harm in that, especially early in your career. Definitely. I mean, that's kind of the time to do a lot of that. And I do feel like going back to what you mentioned, being in a startup generally, whether or not you feel like you're totally qualified to be there expedites the time and that you feel like you've been in a job. I've been at a lot of startups and I feel like you one year is like five in that. It is. It's kind of, you, you, kind of crazy. It is. And you do, I'm sure you've had this experience. You get tasked with doing things that you've never done before, just because there isn't anyone else there to do it. You have to have all of the hats on. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Eventually, like if, if you do, if the company does good, they'll be able to kind of build up a big team with a lot of different duties. But I think a lot of the times you might be one of the only people in a department and you have to kind of create a lot of what like what's to come before you have people to do it which is definitely right. challenging challenging but so cool like I've learned more about marketing in this role than I ever have because we don't really you know we have marketing um marketing partners who help us but I'm driving a lot of that so <laughs> I've had to, I've had to learn a lot and test a lot um, on taking an opportunities that you're not qualified for and it being the right move. Have you had any backlash on that? Anybody kind of fight with you on the, on the statement there? Yeah, I think that, uh, the, the older way of thinking is that you should, you should wait your turn. Um, and I've certainly, I've certainly had peers who were older than me. Um, and managers in a variety of companies who have uh, 
chastise me for not staying in roles long enough and making a move and then for you know not being satisfied maybe is the is the best way to put it so i've certainly faced backlash in a variety of companies um i think i've found my in the startup world though because nobody really cares about how long you've been doing something in the in the startup world they just care if you can get results um and i definitely prefer that Oh, you'll probably hang out um, in those kind of opportunities a little bit more than an established company that's been around for a long time that might have a lot of um, processes already there for that. Yeah, it would be it would be really hard for me to go back into that world. Now, with that said, the majority of my career was spent in the fortune space with a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, mm -hmm. and they taught me probably everything everything I know about the employee benefits industry and gave me a great baseline, but they also taught me about the types of environments I don't want to work in anymore. Uh, kind of going back to that, um, I know you uh, mentioned that you want to bring up um, hustle culture, um, and I would love to hear a little bit more about your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a, I, I see it on LinkedIn all the time. Um, but people really arguing about hustle culture and the dichotomy is that you either hustle or you're lazy. And I just don't believe that at all. Um, and I learned, I learned the hard way uh, through one case of clinical burnout. And my therapist uh, strongly twisted my arm until I quit a job because it was like sucking all the energy out of me. And, uh, you know, I was likely going to have to be institutionalized. So I kind of follow a, a different path, if you will. I'm really focused on not work-life balance, but on integrating my work in my life, if you will. So I have hard rules around, I don't spend more than 40 hours at my computer and at my desk a week. I may take calls outside of it, um, but I block time to hang out with my kid and my wife and to be outside and to play video games and to play music. Um, and I've actually put together a little ebook um, called F the Hustle. I don't know if I can say that word on, on here. Um, you, but, yeah, you can. All right. It's called Fuck the Hustle. Um, and it's it's really all about everything I've learned through trying to fit into this hustle culture and then finding this kind of happy medium where I can still produce at a high level as a salesperson, uh, but I don't have to sacrifice my mental health and my family. So I think that there's a, there is some middle ground that we can find between this dichotomy of you either hustle or you're just lazy. Um, and I hope that, I hope that more people will find that, especially in sales. Where can people go if they want to find that ebook? Uh, so I have a, a Gumroad site. Uh, it's just simstillerson.gumroad.com, and you can access that directly from my LinkedIn page. Thank you very much. Um, when you do, when you've kind of laid out how to time block and make sure that you're going outdoors and, and hanging out with your family and all of that, um, did you get that from anybody or was that just you on your trial and error? Like, how did you find a way to make that all kind of flow? I have a difficult time doing that, which is. Yeah. So I, I looked at things that other successful people were doing. So 
um, Steve Noodleberg and his sons are kind of, you know, you know, great sales thought leaders and coaches. I looked at some of the things they did. They preach hard calendaring. And then I kind of molded it and made it my own. Um, I'm much less strict, uh, but I'm, I just try to make sure to get certain things done every day. And I don't, I don't really care what time of the day I get them done. Um, but it helps me stay on task because I can be, I can be quick to see the shiny object or see the LinkedIn notification and deviate from what I'm doing. So it really is. I try to do prospect touches for an hour every morning before meetings start do an hour in LinkedIn to, you know, respond to comments, create content. And then I'm usually in meetings from about 10 to about three or four. And after those meetings in, um, I always try to find time for admin work. I don't always get to that. Sometimes there are more meetings. And then sometime in the middle of the day, even if it's for 10 minutes, I'm going to get my dog and we're going to go outside and just spend a little time outside. Um, and then outside of that, there are other things I have to get done, right? Like I like to work out for an hour every day. Sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's at night. I got to spend time with my kid always in the morning, always at night, sometimes in the middle of the day as well. So there's some fluidity to it. They're just a handful of like non-negotiable things I have to accomplish every day that are always built into my calendar. And how long have you had that going for you now? Uh, probably about two years. Wow. And it's, it's ever evolving. So, you know, part of, part of startup life is you gotta be, uh, you gotta be willing to fail fast. Right. And so that's how I approach this calendaring too. If it stops serving me or stops serving my family, we switch it up, see what works. Cool. I like that. Um, let's get a little tactical back on the um, back on the other point about taking opportunities that you might not mm -hmm. feel completely qualified for. What kind of advice would you give to like-minded people out there who maybe have things that they want to do out there, but they're a little bit afraid that they're not going to be given that kind of um, a chance? Like, what would yeah. you tell them? Yeah. So I'd say you're definitely not going to be given that type of chance. You got to take it. So that's the first piece is you got to know that you're, you've got to go take it and you've got to go prove to people who might look at you and say, you're not qualified, that there's a reason you belong in the role. So the things I focus on doing are developing storylines around some of my non-traditional experience, things I learned doing farm work, uh, things I've learned as a musician that I didn't experience in an office setting that I can apply. And then I use a lot of my sales skills to network behind the scenes. So figuring out who the hiring manager is, figuring out who peers would be in the role and building relationships with them, learning what's important to them, and then using all of that to develop a big story about how you strategically drive this role, not just how you solve the little day-to-day -day things uh, that'll be asked of you in the role. Can you uh, give an example of your musical background and how you might be able to use that um, as a tool um, to um, in that yeah. kind of opportunity? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I can give you an example right now. I'm moderating um, a panel discussion for a New England Employee Benefits Council event in January. I've never moderated one of these discussions before, but we pull, we 
peeled back to the fact that I've, I have played in front of a crowd of a thousand people and I have stage presence and I know I can guide a show. Right. Um, so that was how I landed that little gig. Yeah, you could definitely fit that into a lot of things. And I didn't know about your farming either. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Taught me, taught me the value of hard work. And I certainly uh, <laughs> enjoy that type of work. If it paid as well as sales, I'd probably do that. I think a lot of people, um, if we didn't have the internet and we didn't have the kind of opportunities we have now, we would be doing other things too. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like for me, um, the internet kind of killed journalism. <laughs> um, not yeah. totally, but money-wise and a lot of other factors played into why I left. Um, and I think that if big tech and the internet hadn't come um, about that, I probably would be doing that now. Um, I would have continued it. And I think uh, I've talked to a lot of people who would who have told me that they would be in agriculture if we didn't yeah. have if we didn't have what we have going on now, I feel think we'd all be on a little bit of a different path. Um, I think that's just so my too. opinion on that. Um, can you debunk an unpopular opinion that is not really an unpopular opinion that you found in your feed on LinkedIn or anywhere? Unpopular opinion that's not really an unpopular opinion. I, re I mean, I don't know that I have a specific one but i think you and i have talked about or that really anything you see on linkedin nowadays that says unpopular opinion alert or whatever is just clickbait to get you to read something and agree with it um but i don't i don't really think that that i have one and i know it's supposed to so i'm sorry no no it's like totally okay <laughs> <laughs> But I, I kind of follow with you on that, though. I think that usually people are not actually looking for people to disagree with them anyway. They just want the confirmation bias of like, oh, I'm going to call that unpopular opinion. And then people are going to go, oh, wait, but I think that, too. They're not actually looking to, like, rock the boat or anything like that. They're just yeah. looking for more people to click. Yeah, I think you're right. I will tell you one that I learned. It's not business related at all. Uh, I hate candy corn. I thought everybody hated candy corn, but I think I'm in the minority. And I saw a lot of posts around Halloween that were like, unpopular opinion, candy corn is delicious. Um, and all these people are like, yes, I love candy corn. And I was like, what the hell? Candy corn is so gross. I, I do hate, I do hate it too. My unpopular food take is Definitely, I hate potatoes. Um, I think I might be the only All one right. I've ever met. <laughs> let's let's unpack. Let's unpack that. <laughs> I'm the only one. All of them. Yeah, I don't like any of them. None. No kind. In no form. I don't like them. And people people don't feel comfortable with that. Like I I have got a lot of backlash on that. I, that I don't. I don't feel comfortable with that. I haven't I look my mission in life and maybe I'll be able to accomplish this through the podcast is to find one other individual who is like me like that just I haven't found one not one I've had people who have told me they don't like like mashed potatoes or whatever right. but I don't like any none no kind and um, I haven't found one individual in the universe who could tell me that I'm, I'm the only one 
what happened? You're the me? first, you're the first person I've ever met that's ever said that to me. <laughs> I feel like I have, that's a common, a common, um, comeback to when I tell people that they're like, no, that can't be like, you're the only one out there. And I might be, I mean, I haven't found it. What if you are? I, I don't know. What do you think is the matter with me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of jealous of you though, because I'm thinking about like, if I hated potatoes, I'd probably be a lot healthier. Um, that's what people tell me that they're like, you're skinny because you don't like potatoes. <laughs> I, that's probably, that's probably not the whole story. Um, but I it might be. Every, every way I eat potatoes is like super unhealthy though. I, I think it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there might be a healthy way to have them. I just, I don't know. Maybe don't, I'm not, inter- no. I'm not interested in knowing what it is. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and people ask me like, they're like, Oh, do you ban your kid from having them? I'm like, no. <laughs> Does your kid like potatoes? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish she did not not to be mean or anything, just because I wanted to have another friend in that, but no, she, yeah. she's totally on board with them. <laughs> you should just put that in your LinkedIn headline that you hate all potatoes. I bet you'll find somebody. I think that I will lose 5,000 followers immediately. <laughs> oh, God. That would be it, hilarious. Yeah, well, I could, I could check it. I do have Shield, which uh, plug on Shield. I love them. But they'll occasionally, when I do talk about anything like a little bit controversial, I can go back on there and I could kind of link like, oh, wow, why did I lose like 50 followers that day? And if I did it with a, if I did a potato take, it might be a lot more than that. I want to see what happens. Yeah. Hey, I want to see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking I might have to do that now. Um, well, thank you um, for having, um, the, taking the time to be on the show today. If anybody wants to follow you or, um, kind of find out what you're up to, where should they go? Yeah. The easiest place to find me because I'm there way too much is definitely LinkedIn. And I'm just Sims Tillerson on LinkedIn. There's only one of us. <laughs> it's good. You have an uncommon name. Just yeah, super easy to find. I kind of want to dig at the, your name a little bit now too. Yeah. Do you can do you have a backstory on your name? I don't think I know anybody with your first name at all. Yeah. So my full name is Garland Sims Tillerson, and Garland is G A R L O N, so not like the Christmas Garland, but I'm named after my great grandfather George Garland on my dad's side. And then Sims is my grandmother's maiden name. So really classic Southern naming convention there. And then Tillerson is Scandinavian um, son of a tiller. So son of a farmer. Very cool. And that's kind of popular or or good with your take on the farming and everything. We kind of came full circle with your name now. There we (laughs) I love it. We got it. We got it locked in. (laughs) Well, thank you for um, being on the show today. And um, I hope that everybody goes and follows you after if they're not already, um, they should be. And um, I hope that I can have you on the show again one day. Awesome. Would love to join again. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Unpopular Opinion. This episode was produced by Audience Ops, a content-led growth agency. If you're looking for help launching a podcast, Audience Ops handles all the legwork so you can focus on providing the subject matter expertise. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow Ashley's show on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube.